0: Thanks for tuning into McNamara on money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance in our practice. We give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers. We may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
1: Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. Happy Saturday, everybody. I'm joined this morning by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Good morning. Good morning. We are going to be talking inheritances this morning and maybe applications for, maybe applications isn't the right word, but utilizing inheritances in your own life. We're gonna talk about it at different stages of life, maybe at different ages and situations. Talk about some of the ways that money is generally inherited and some of the tax considerations in that regard. And do some planning and projections, illustrating for people how to use inheritances in an impactful way. So Handling an Inheritance is the show this morning. So we'll talk all about that from all different angles. I thought we would just start by, I wanna get into some modeling and I wanna explain planning software that we use and set the stage for how we would help a client analyze this. Yeah. But, I, but before we get into that, I think it would be helpful to just talk about the different types of accounts and different types of assets that people inherit and talk through some of the rules for reti- inheriting retirement accounts, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but I figured we I would think, start there.
0: Yeah, maybe just a quick step back before we get to that. Just in the, okay. I guess, in the pre-inheritance phase, right? So when your loved ones are alive, just a few notes from our experience, right? So the first, I think we, we tell most people to try not to count on an inheritance, right? Mm. It's, it's just, it's the kind of thing that if you're, let's just say you have parents who are particularly wealthy, you assume there's going to be an inheritance coming at some time. But when you're running a long-term retirement plan, the timing of that, I know we're going to go through Oh, what happens if you inherit money earlier in life or later in life? Right, the timing of the inheritance is really impactful. Right, mm-hmm. if you think about it, you could inherit money before your kids went to college or well after. We we could use our experience. I'm sure we can't plan on dad on dad's inheritance. He's going to live forever. I'm, I can't <laughs> based
1: on his family history. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 he's going to be pushing a hundred right, easily. So, uh, yeah. just
0: be careful in the planning process. We yeah. certainly understand that there are. Uh, it's likely for a lot of folks that there's going to be an inheritance, but the actually time the timing of it. Can really change things from a planning perspective, and yeah. that's I think some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. That and that in the the probate process can be a long one as well. Yeah, just you know, prepare yourself in advance for oh this may not it may not it may be a long time if it ever happens. And obviously, with the cost of long term care now, you can get substantially different numbers than maybe yeah. what you were expecting. And then even after a loved one passes away, you're talking about a fairly long time in between when you know money actually shows up. So there's, which I guess is, in that case, maybe good because it gives you some time to plan and think about what's the best way to deploy those assets.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people, when we do talk about potential for inheritances, a lot of people will sort of caveat that this, is, this might be coming my way, but I, I don't want to plan on it. And so I think people know that, but I would say the... I think people say that, but I'm not sure if they really know it, other than if yeah. there is a situation where they're dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that, and then they're more aware that assets could be spent down quickly towards the end of their parents' life. But I, yeah, potential need for long term care of your from for your parents is can be very expensive and can really change the amount of assets that are inherited. I could also tell stories about last minute marriages toward the end of someone's sure. parents life and then that changes where assets go upon the parents death and so yeah, I think things change, sometimes things happen that are unexpected and usually if I'm modeling some sort of an inheritance in someone's life. We want to just like really low ball it and be really conservative. So if you think you're going to inherit a million in five years, let's call it 400,000 and just really be, be pretty conservative about it. Because you do want to be, the flip side of that is you do want to be realistic. Let's say that you do stand to inherit a million or a couple million dollars, and that can be a life-changing financially event. And do you want to... how do you proceed with your life if you think that is a reality, right? Some of the decisions that you make might be different than if you weren't expecting that. So can you afford to do X, Y, Z that you couldn't otherwise? And so maybe you are making choices, anticipating some type of inheritance, especially if you think it's very sizable, maybe you can make some decisions and factor that in some way. But again, I would just say be pretty conservative about it because things change.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times unexpected, it's, I think it's all it's the tendency is for folks to do that just based on the the age the average age of a parent versus the age, average age of a child and when when the average person dies and when the average person retires there's this sort of it's a lot of times you're in the pre-retirement or retirement years when you would expect to receive an inheritance and just of course I understand that we're talking about our our own parents death so it's a sensitive subject but that's just the reality of people saying oh when I'm 65 my my parents will be 95 uh-huh. so there's just this sort of it's a, you just do the math in your head we all know we're all, we're all gonna go sometime and the reality is that a lot of times those, those sort of dates do match up yeah. which I think makes it all the more reasonable to think that way but again just try to make sure that you do it on the conservative side because yeah. there are obviously outlier situations and it's not the kind of thing that you can just that's that you can count on right Yeah, it's not yeah. like a pension
1: <laughs> right. right so i thought we could anything else or do you, or can we get into the like the different types of assets yeah, no. or what no, sort of ways in which money is generally inherited um sure. yeah, so really so at the highest level people would inherit either retirement assets or non-retirement assets you can break it down that simply. And we can talk about uh, inheriting retirement accounts and the rules. And I do want to get into that in a minute, but I was just trying to think of like the ways in which people inherit. So it's either like a retirement account Yep. or some sort of a non-retirement account. might There might be like stocks or mutual funds or just securities that come into your name in an account in your name out of someone's estate. Obviously cash, whether it's bank cash or whether there were securities or something that were liquidated and cash is being dispersed to you. Real estate which can then be turned in liquidated and turned into cash. And then I was thinking like trust disbursements, of course, that's overlapping, right? Like a trust disbursement could just come to you as cash or it could come to you as securities or, or what have you. But I couldn't really think of any other sort of like ways that people or things that people would inherit other than actual things, a vehicle or furniture and stuff like that. But can you think of anything else?
0: No. Okay. Well, that's a good list.
1: So, I did want to get into the retirement, the reti- inherited IRA, beneficiary IRA rules. So, this did change a few years ago. Yep. Uh, and so, I wanted to get into that. So, I just pulled up. I always use IRS.gov for information on stuff like this. So I'm on the IRS.gov website. And there's basically a difference between how you can inherit. If you're a non spouse, there's a way, there is a difference in the way that you have to draw from an inherited retirement account, depending on whether the person died before 2020 or 2020 or later. So let's just assume that most people that had someone that passed 2019 or earlier have already stepped into those assets and are already on those rules are different. So let's just focus on yep. inheriting, a, the process. inheriting a retirement account for someone who passed in the year 2020 or later. So present day or later, basically. So we'll talk about spouse, if you inherit as a spouse, really today we're talking about inheriting as a non-spouse, but just so that people understand, if you inherit a retirement account as a spouse, essentially you can just take on the the IRA as your own. So as a spouse, you have more flexibility. You can take the asset on as your own. You don't have to liquidate it in a short period of time, which is different from a non-spouse inheriting a retirement account. Yep. So you can essentially just roll, it's technically you're rolling the account over into your own IRA. You can roll it into an inherited IRA. I don't know that I can think of a reason that someone would do that unless they were a spouse inheriting the account. As 59 a, 59 y- yeah, I was gonna half. say yeah. under 59 and a half yep. as like a young widower or widow, you may want to take it in as an inherited IRA because with an inherited IRA, there's no additional 10% pre 59 and a half distribution penalty to take money out of an IRA. So if you think under 59 and a half, if you're 45 or 50, God forbid, and you're inheriting a retirement account as a spouse, and you think you might need to access the funds for stuff in your life before retirement, then that would be a reason to turn it into an inherited IRA. But generally speaking, if we're seeing someone, someone passed in their retirement years, or then yeah. just taking it on as their own would make the most sense. And it's the easiest can combine it with your own retirement account.
0: Yeah, it's just, I think generally speaking, best practice is if you're pre 59 and a half and again, the 59 and a half, just to be clear, was to avoid the 10% penalty. If you yeah. turn something into your own IRA and you're 53 and it turns out you have some expenses that were unforeseen, right? And especially young widowers do tend to have potential expenses. And so if yeah. you roll it into a, an inherited IRA, you avoid the 10% penalty and you can, so that's generally what you would do, but hopefully we're not talking, that's not the situation we'll talk about very often today.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about if you inherit a retirement account as a non-spouse, right? So the focus of today's conversation was inheriting assets as a child or grandchild. Sure, Yep. All right, I'm just gonna read this one off the IRS website. for In, 20, in 2020 or later, options for a beneficiary who is not the spouse of the deceased account owner depends on whether they are an eligible designated beneficiary or not. So an eligible designated beneficiary are the sort of the the rare cases. And so an eligible designated beneficiary is someone who's so either a spouse or a child who's a minor or someone who is disabled or chronically ill or someone who's not more than 10 years younger than the person that passed away. So it could be like, a friend or something that was not 10 years younger. So most ch- you know children adult child so adult children inheriting assets that aren't disabled or chronically ill they're not what we call eligible designated beneficiaries and so they have very limited options we'll talk about that in a second but there are some sort of rare cases where a minor child or someone who's not more than 10 years younger or someone who's disabled, they can take what we call life expectancy distributions. So basically they could stretch the account over a longer period t- of time and take small distributions annually like a spouse can. But those are more rare. And so most Again, adult children inheriting assets from their parents, retirement assets from their parents are not what we call eligible designated beneficiaries. They're the other, or or they're just called designated beneficiaries, but they have to follow what is now the 10 year rule. So they have to empty the entire account balance by the end of the 10th year, following the year of the account owner's death. So this is, there There used to be, one of the ways prior to this, there used to be the five-year rule. Now it's the 10-year rule where, again, most adult children would be inheriting a retirement account from their parents and they would have to fully withdraw all the balances in the account by the end of the 10th year following, I actually forgot that it was the year following the year of death. It's I was thinking it was the year of death, but the IRS says the year following the year of death. So 10 plus 10 some odd years to close out the balance of the account. All right, anything else on inherited IRAs? So that's how most, so most people inheriting money now from their parents in a retirement account would want to come up with some sort of a plan to draw down the account within 10 years. And they yeah. might would want to be aware of, what is my tax bracket now? Am I a high income earner now? Am I in a high tax bracket now? Will I be in a lower tax bracket five years from now? For example, if I retire, am I in a low tax bracket now? And will I be in a higher tax bracket? So there, come, there, there might be a little bit of tax planning to be done and income planning to be done, bearing in mind the 10-year rule.
0: Yeah, I think this is. We should probably talk just a bit about this, right? Depending on the size of the inheritance, right? You can have very little tax issue, or you could have a, a massive tax issue that would, would require a lot of planning, right? If you inherit $30,000 from a parent, most of the tax brackets. Are, that's it's going to be harder to jump yourself up a tax bracket yeah. if you only have to take out thirty thousand dollars in the next ten years. You might be able to just take it all out in 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 one year, and there's no real tax difference between that and splitting it up over time. Whereas if it's a if it's a substantial asset, there's there you you could theoretically inherit a million dollar IRA and have ten years to take it out, yeah. and even if divide without any growth, you could. Just assume, oh, I'm going to take out $100,000 a year. That's a big tax impact. And because oftentimes people, again, inheritance just fairly frequently will come around the time of retirement. So I feel yeah. like fairly often I'll have a discussion, oh, you've, you're 60, you're, your plan says you're going to retire at 65 in here now you have an inherited IRA and you have 10 years to do it, let's take nothing out of it for the first five years because your projected income tax rates are gonna go from 24 down to 12 in you know, 2028. 20, so that's the kind of thing that you certainly, it may not be an issue for a lot of folks because you know, just because of the way that the tax brackets are set up and you may be in a particularly large tax bracket or the difference between the 22 and the 24% tax bracket even if you do jump is not all that substantial but there right. are certainly right it's going to it's going to affect different people and different taxpayers in very different ways you certainly want to make sure that you're cognizant of that as if that's a situation that you find yourself in someday
1: yeah for, so for example it's, if I look at the tax brackets for 23, 2023, so let's assume someone does inherit a million dollar IRA and so they have to take likely north of $100,000 a year to spread it out over the 10 years if we factor in investment earnings, not guaranteed. They're, yep, they're yep. maybe taking out in the range of 100, 110, 120,000 yep. a year or something like that.
0: That's so, right. And yeah, we should also mention that 10 years is a long time if you're in a particular, if you get a good stock market, yeah. you can have a substantial change to that valuation.
1: So like the if so one of the bigger jumps in the tax so we, in in our tax bracket in our tax code right now we have what is 7 7 tax brackets 10 12 22 that's a big jump from 12 to 22 24 not a big jump 32 pretty good size jump there yeah 35 and 37 so the big jumps in the tax bracket are 12 to 22 that's a 10% jump and then 24 to 32%. So that's an 8% jump. So I think those are the brackets that people would just want to maybe be more aware of. And yeah. having said that, if you jump from the 24 to the 32, for example, it's not all of the dollars are taxed at the 32, just the dollars in that tax bracket are taxed at 32. So it's not... I talk about it a lot, but it's not like the end of the world. It's not like you, you, all of your assets are taxed in that bracket if you're in the 32 bracket. But for example, so if but someone- it could,
0: it could be most, right? Because you, if you're if you're right up against a bracket as you sit, right, then it could be that most of the additional dollars, dollars do go to that higher bracket, right. which is why it's That's true. an individual discussion every time and year to year, frankly. So it's gonna be the kind of thing you have to keep on top of pretty yeah. much every tax year because every tax year is different.
1: Yeah. Let me just give an example. So let's talk about a single person who's in, let's say their taxable income is like 150,000. So maybe they make more and they put some in a 401k and then they get a standard deduction. So their taxable income is like 150,000. So maybe they're making a couple hundred thousand dollars single person. Yep. That person with taxable income in 2023, single tax filer of taxable income, 150,000 is in a 24% tax bracket. That bracket goes from about 95,000 to 182,000. So let's say this person, 150,000 takes $100,000 from this inherited IRA. So now their taxable income goes to something like 250,000. So they jump from the 24% bracket through the 32% bracket and into the 35% bracket. So that's, so to someone with 250,000 of taxable income is in the 35% bracket. So that's an 11% jump. Again, not on all of the income. In that example, some of it would be taxed at 24, a bunch of it would be taxed at 32, and some would be taxed at 35. And this is just federal. And then add, if you're in Massachusetts, 5% for state. So something to, yeah, to be aware of and the, the government is going to get its tax revenue at some point, and And so it's we hem and haw about what the best way and all that. And sometimes we're, I don't know, I think there, there is some planning to be done to make it as tax efficient as possible. But like at the end of the day, you're going to pay taxes on, right. on the money. And, and I think some people, I don't know, stress about it a lot and worry about it a lot. And I do like to talk about it. It's, it's fun to plan in that regard, but at the end of the day, you're going to pay some taxes on the money, but it does make sense to be aware of, okay, is there a strategy where we can, Maximize the after-tax amount, but then you get into you get into discussions about then when it what do you do with it when it comes out of the retirement account? Or are you investing it then in a non-retirement account, and then what are the taxes associated with that when it's outside of the retirement accounts? Lots of stuff to talk about there. But all right, I think we beat we beat that one to death.
0: Should we do Roth because it's or are we do we want to do that for the break? I don't know how much time we want to spend on that.
1: Oh yeah, we have two minutes. Yeah, but I guess we can get into that, and then we can get into some modeling and applications in life after the break.
0: Yeah. I think the Roth rules are just the same, except it's distributions are tax-free, right? So it's all the same set of rules. And then you just, you don't have to worry about the tax implication of it. You still have to take yeah. it out within those 10 years, but it's all tax-free. Oftentimes, I think if you're inheriting a Roth, you may be, I think, I don't yeah. see a lot of inherited Roths just because the Roth is a newer vehicle. Right. It only started what, maybe 25 years ago, but now assuming you're inheriting a Roth, there's probably an IRA there as well. So you want to just keep in mind, Oh, if, you can take out some Roth money for, for the, in this particular year, and that way you can avoid a taxable distribution and put that off. There's planning that can yeah. be done if you're looking at, if you have both types of accounts, just the same way you would plan in retirement if you have multiple types of accounts and they have different tax natures yeah. you want to be as effective as you can. So. We
1: can touch on that after the break, yeah. but we've got to take same a much. quick break. You're listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by Justin McNamara. We're talking about inheriting money today. We're just taking a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. My co-host this morning is my brother Justin McNamara. Good morning. Good morning. And we are talking about inheriting money and deploying assets. I love that word, deploying assets Deploy. <laughs> in your own financial life. Just did a little background on different ways uh, that people generally inherit money. Some of the tax implications. You did. We were touching. You were touching on inheriting Roth IRA before the break and, yep. I, and we were rushed. So I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that. I think just the one thing you were mentioning that inherited Roth IRAs are still not all that common. They will only become more common though right. as those are around longer yeah. and easier for people as time goes on has been easier for people to get more money into Roth type retirement accounts with them being more readily available in 401ks, for example. So those will become more common and more sizable in the future. Yeah. Yep. I think from my perspective, there's not a whole lot of planning to be done with inheriting a Roth because everything comes out tax-free. You've got 10 years to do it. The only really thing I would say is unless you need the cash for something in your life, which we'll talk about all the different uses and things to think about there, but if the money is gonna remain invested and you're like, I don't need it for a while, then pretty simple to just leave it in the Roth because it grows tax deferred and it will all come out tax free anyway. Taking it out of the Roth and putting it into a non-retirement account doesn't make sense because then it just becomes taxable earlier. So that one's pretty simple. Not a whole lot of at least tax planning to be done.
0: Agreed. Leave it in there as long
1: as possible and take it when you need it before 10 years, right?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to get into inheriting other types of, other types of accounts? we talked about the IRA stuff, right? Obviously we have taxable accounts that you can inherit. And again, I think it's maybe generally simpler because it's usually you're going to, you're going to get a step up in cost basis. So there's not a real tax implication. We might want to talk, touch briefly on estate taxes. I don't know if you want to get into that or if you want to get to the planning piece, Leslie. And we've got to, we got to get to the deployment of your capital.
1: I know we have time for that. We can get into it a little bit. I, I do think people in information regarding stepped up cost basis and inheriting money outside of retirement accounts is I think help, helpful information. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty simple, like from a tax perspective if you're inheriting cash, you don't have to worry about there's no inheritance taxes or anything. You're, you inherit cash, there's no you're not paying any income taxes on it or anything like that. That's just cash there's, there's no tax implications to that if it's not in a retirement account i would let's I would touch on if you're inheriting if you have inherited securities so stocks or bonds or mutual funds or some type yep. of invested security and it comes into an account in your name and so it's not coming as cash, it's coming as it already invested securities. I would say generally speaking or oftentimes it se- it seems like more often than not those securities would receive a step up in cost basis. I think there are a few situations where it wouldn't. And this is where you're going to want to look to the guidance of the accountant handling that person's estate or if there's there's trust involved in things like that, the attorney and the accountant working on the trust in the estate will be helpful with this in this regard. But oftentimes if you inherit, let's say mom had an individual non-retirement account and she passed and there were a dozen stocks or mutual funds in there and half of it comes into an account in your name and half goes to your sibling, right? So in that regard, it was just in mom's name, (coughs) in her estate. So securities come into an account in your name if your mom had those securities invested for a very long time for example and there were what we call capital ga- or unrealized capital gains meaning the investment had grown over time and there were untaxed gains on those securities if mom had sold them in her lifetime would have been some tax consequences on investment gains but when you inherit money from someone there's what's called a step up in the cost basis, which basically means as of mom's date of death in this example, where she had unrealized tax gains in her lifetime, as of her date of death, the base for taxes is made equal to the value of the shares on her date of death so that's called a step up in cost basis so if those shares come into your life like relatively soon after you mentioned that probate can take a long time so it's not often like right away yes <laughs> that's come into your life but if they come in to your name relatively soon after the date of passing, then there could be very little to no tax consequences to sell those securities once they're in name because they got that step up in cost basis. Generally as of date of death, although there is this there is a choice for the basis to be set to the value six months after death. I've like never seen that though. Have you ever seen I, that? I guess like in a declining I think I've maybe market. Seen it
0: once in in my yeah. life that it was used. But okay. it, yeah, it's very infrequently used. And I think the key part of this is, this is this discussion obviously is for potential inheritors, right? Once you, yeah. once you go through the process, right? All of this stuff has already been decided, right? So when money yeah. starts showing up, generally speaking, or at least I'd say hopefully, right? If you're receiving an inheritance, all of this stuff has already been ironed out, right? You right. should know what your cost basis rules are, right? If it, if it was, if it came from a, a, a trust, right? The attorney might say, well, this was, this was an, it was an irrevocable trust. So your cost basis will be set as a, as your parent cost basis was, and here's right. your tax consequence on the sale or got, it received a step up in, t- in basis. So you really don't have much in the way of, of tax consequence to liquidate the assets. There's we can I don't know if we want to talk about estate taxes right but this is all after the fact but there are potential taxes we, I think we yep. get the tax question about from a potential inheritor or an inheritor all the time and the reality is that's all taken care of first and then you're just getting all right well, here's the account this is how much it was there's there were some estate taxes payable but those are paid by the estate and then the distribution comes after all that
1: happened. I, I love how you're explaining it. I wish it was that simple where you're the attorney settling the estate or the accountant is like instructing on the tax yeah. ramifications. I feel like that but that never me. happens. We're always sitting down with someone and they with this money and it's coming from these places and, they, and nobody ever has any idea what... Yes. I'm asking them, what about the basis? Is there a step up? Did this come... What type of a trust did it come from? And everyone's like, I have no idea. But yeah. I think what happens is like the estate planning attorney or in the accountant, like closing out the estate or doing like the fine, the trust returns and things like that. They're cooperating with one person in the family. And yep. then that person in the family is, is supposed to be communicating with the rest of the family. But that person point sort of point person in the family, they might have the best intention. They might just be busy and it, it is a lot of work and stuff like that, settling an in, in estate and dispersing inheritances. But also they might just not fully understand what's being explained to them and might not like always be able to repeat <laughs> yeah. it. And so then there's like the, there's like a breakdown in communication
0: often. Yeah. And again, it's like, like my, my sister is the one who's doing yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it does get complicated.
1: Yeah. But anyway, I, usually what I do is I just, money will come in and we don't do anything and I'll start sending emails and making calls and figuring stuff out. You just have to dig a little and you can generally find the answers. But that is a good point that not if, assets are coming to you or invested securities are coming into your name. And if they're coming out of a trust that your mom or dad had, it's important to know, it is important to ask those questions. What kind of a trust was it? Was it an irrevocable trust? Was it in their estate or was it out of their estate? Because that would determine whether or not the securities that come into your name do get that step up in cost basis. Sometimes people inherit assets from a a type of trust that was not in the parent's estate. People for like nursing home planning, for example, would do like an irrevocable trust, get it out of their estate. And then when you inherit assets, whether it's a home or assets from an irrevocable trust after mom or dad pass, generally speaking, I've actually seen it a couple different ways, but it seems like generally speaking, there's not that step up in cost basis. So you could be inheriting securities that have tax gains or potentially sizable tax gains. And you might not get that forgiveness of the gain as of date of death because it was inside of a trust. It may have been in, if it was inside of a trust that was outside of their estate. But that's just where you I've actually had worked with attorneys and accountants over the years and had like different information in this regard. There's different types. Types of these trusts. And so some receive a step up and some don't. And so always just best to ask the professionals involved before, before liquidating just to make sure you understand possible tax consequences.
0: Yes, absolutely, um, yeah. Even, yeah, we're... We probably, I'm sure we've read more trusts than the average person, but even when I see a trust, I say, you really need to talk to the attorney about this. It's very specialized. There are so many different kinds of trusts. The tax consequences vary from trust to trust. And yeah, yeah, and generally speaking, those trusts can be 100 pages long. So even finding where the right language would be to figure out what the tax consequence (laughs) would be on those assets uh, is quite an endeavor. Absolutely default to the, hopefully the the attorney who drew up the trust is around in in helping you through that process.
1: Yeah, I had... I was always under the impression, again, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a CPA. I was always under the impression, though, that if the if assets are coming out of a trust, if the trust was not in the parent's estate for the estate tax calculation, then yep. there was no step up in cost basis when the assets are received by the family. If the trust was in the estate and part of the estate tax calculation, so then potentially ta- estate tax is being paid and those assets included on it, then the inherited assets would be eligible for the step up and cost basis that's that was my general understanding. Yep. I did have one situation where an attorney had assured me that nope, this trust was outside of the estate, but there was some sort of language written in where it was eligible for a step up and basis, so, but I was just going with what was instructed there but so always best to check on that all right, anything else on that, or do you want to get into do you want to get into some modeling and some deployment of assets.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's right. Yeah, I think we just want to, yeah, I, maybe just a quick before we get there for folks who are, would be leaving assets to kids, just do some simplify. I think maybe the, maybe take some time to organize your financial life. I just, I know it's not really on topic here, but we deal with enough I deal. I always say deal with, we have to clean up people's finances after an inheritance fairly frequently. And it can be a process because even getting your own financial affairs in order can be hard enough. When you are the representative of an estate trying to do the same thing, the level of complexity is just multiplied, right? So if you're dealing with, if it's five different types, if it's five accounts, but it's all the same type of account, but it's in five different places. Maybe that's the kind of thing you want to simplify for your heirs. Just, I just thought I'd throw that one in there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would just, I guess say one other thing, again, I'm not an attorney, but I, you always hear attorneys say that they're once an estate plan is drafted, written, implemented, it should be reviewed periodically. Like there are some attorneys that will offer a once a year check-in or every three yeah. years check-in stuff like that. I, I think, from what I understand by the time it gets to like seven to 10 years, that absolutely your estate plan absolutely should be not necessarily redone, but at least reviewed by a professional. And I'm just, I would bring this up just because there things change, right under the heading of things change. Like I have a situation right now with a client who had passed away and he had a trust and the person that he named as successor trustee was a family member, not his adult children, but another family member. And this family member in the recent past had gotten old, began aging and somewhat not able to handle the responsibilities of yep. acting as trustee on this trust. And if that, it, it, I don't know, but it, I, don't, I, I think that those, he hadn't updated his documents in a long time. Had he sat down with an attorney, had it reviewed, maybe he would have said, oh, maybe this person is no longer the right person to act as trustee. Maybe he would have recognized that if sat down and had that conversation with an attorney or thought about it himself. And so now it's just in a situation where we're trying to settle and disperse money to the appropriate people, but we don't have, not the cooperation is not the right word, but this person doesn't really have the ability to be of any assistance. And it's very, and it's just, it's frustrating for the family and things are just taking a lot longer than they really need to be. And I don't know, just a reminder to just think about that stuff once in a while and maybe have it updated and just make sure that the right people are, and people that you trust and all that stuff are named and maybe that Absolutely. changes over time. Yeah. It's
0: much more common than you would think for someone to read, for someone to read a trust even 10 years later and say, man, I put that person in charge. Yeah. That was a... Bad idea, for whatever reason. It's they it could be just a general separation. Relationships change over time, yeah. and, and so you do want to keep that reviewed, even if it's just oh, who's in charge and how capable are they and how willing are they and, yeah. and how trustworthy are they to execute my wishes. Yeah, that's yeah. Good, good advice.
1: Yeah, and I could yeah, I guess I could tell stories all day long, but then have another one where yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just make sure you're naming. Just remember who you've named to handle things for the benefit of your heirs and again, that they're trustworthy and incapable. In this this particular case, this person seems perfectly trustworthy, just somewhat incapable of helping and understanding and doing what needs to be done. And then I can think of another situation where I'm not making judgments about who's trustworthy or not, but I know that it's like a very contentious in the family and there's a lot of accusations and some of the documents were like conflicting and it's just, yeah, it just can get messy, but... Um. Anyway, all right, we wanted to get into, <coughs> so let's talk about inheritances of obviously come in varying sizes, right? But we wanted to focus today's show on, or part of today's show on different ways to utilize or deploy a sizable inheritance in your life. We're talking about something in the several hundreds of thousands of dollars range, which for many people would be of an amount that gives you a lot of different options in your own life. Things to think about can change your financial picture and the options that you have. And and so we just wanted to, we can talk about that, but I also wanted to illustrate it. So I, I made a model in our software. I kind of want to take a few minutes to explain. We're using like a hypothetical couple here, just explain the situation that they are in. And I was trying to model something that's in the realm of a normal middle-aged pre-retirement couple makes decent money. Your good money has good assets could be on track for retirement of a normal age, mid to late 60s, something like that. And just wanted to model a normal couple, right? That a lot of people could Yeah. Associate with, and then, okay, then what happens if a half a million dollars comes into your life? And what are the things to think about? And what are the ways you can use it? So, before I get there, though, I just needed to spend a few minutes to explain the couple because I think, I don't know, I think maybe I just like to talk about numbers, but I think that's helpful in terms of relating the size of this inheritance to their life. And maybe, I don't know, maybe, I guess we'll see how this goes, but maybe. We'll find that an inheritance of a couple hundred thousand maybe isn't as impactful as people want it to be or think it will be, or and maybe it is. It depends on the situation. But
0: I think that was just to circle back. That's one of the reasons why we, as planners, try not to do try not to plan on inheritances too much, right? Because there's a there could be a there could be a huge difference in between inheriting six hundred thousand dollars and two hundred thousand dollars, right? That one, one may be the difference in in your retirement plan being successful and not which is why it's so difficult to plan on because those especially when you're in that when you're in the pre-retirement years where you don't really have a lot of potential appreciation on an inheritance it's just the numbers become the numbers and it's can i retire on this yes can i retire on this no and that's why that's why you don't want to make any you don't want to retire saying oh i'll have an inheritance someday and that's going to bail me out that's that's generally a not a great recommendation. Yeah. So
1: I think my intention for this show or this part of the show is twofold. So number one, for people that are or potentially stand to inherit sizable assets, things to think about, right? And opportunities that might open up, but also for people as they think about their own assets and their own, I don't know, bequesting wishes and ability to care for their adult children after they pass. And I don't know, it might think things for them to know and how impactful certain amounts or assets can be when they pass it to their family, if they are able to pass it to their family. A couple different ways to look at that. But so the one of the things look,
0: before we jump into the plan, okay. I, I would say that I know that parents and kids don't often communicate about money maybe as much as they should. Hopefully that's, Mm. I know that for previous generations, I think it was more taboo to talk about money with kids. Hopefully that's, I think that's changing somewhat, but I think there's still some reticence to discuss finances. But if you can have those conversations and communicate, I think it's generally speaking, always going to be a better situation. I think there are some emotional issues around inheriting money yeah which we should we can should stop and honor that there's you may think oh, yeah, yeah. With, without communication from a parent you may a child may say i think i think mom or dad would want me to do this with the money mm. and generally speaking i in my opinion probably most parents would just want you to do whatever the most whatever major makes you the happiest but without that communication you are leaving the child to just potentially make an assumption And I think they would want me to have this money go to my kids for college, and maybe that's maybe not the ideal thing financially for you personally. But you may end up in a situation where you're maybe not making the most effective financial decision in absence of guidance from a parent. I don't know if I'm stepping over our uh, (laughs) stepping outside of our role as financial advisor here, but I think it's we certainly yeah yeah we see clients who kind of deal with the emotional ramifications of assets following a death. And I think just more communication is better.
1: I agree. And I don't think you're overstepping because I can't I can't tell you the number of times someone has said to me when we're reviewing beneficiaries, I'm just gonna leave the assets to this person and they'll either in quote, do the right thing with it or quote, they'll, they'll, uh, yeah. disperse it equally amongst their siblings. And it's like, <laughs> whoa! First of all, if you have three kids, for example, and you want them all to get the assets, don't just name one of them and assume they're going to divide <laughs> yeah. it up equally, tax complications, all that. But um, be very clear with your wishes on paper as well with legal documents and beneficiary designations and stuff like that. But no, I think communication, I've thought about this a lot. I do think communication is good, especially as someone ages and when and, and it looks like assets will pass and good for the family to understand understand their wishes. I, I would also say if you're, if an aging parent is communicating like with one of the kids and explaining wishes to one of the kids, yep. I feel like that can be a touchy situation too. If you're explaining your wishes, make sure you explain it to all of them so that they're all on the same page and then there's no fighting. Someone is not, mom told me this and, yeah. but she didn't tell the other. So I think communication with everyone as appropriate. In some ways, that's what legal documents are for. If someone's uncomfortable, like literally having the conversation, then you can put your wishes down on paper via will and trust and things like that. Sometimes I wonder if where does it stem, I think where does it stem from in terms of people that don't want to communicate about money? I sometimes I wonder if aging parents or parents in general don't want to, maybe they don't want to, I don't know, is spoil the right word. Like maybe they they don't want what's the right word. They don't they want their kids to be financially independent on their own without, yeah. without assuming they're going to inherit assets. And if they do, that's, that's great. But I, sometimes I wonder if that's part of it. If mom is worth $3 million, maybe she doesn't want to tell the adult kids that she is because she wants them to be okay financially on their own or something. I don't know. I, yeah, that's it is an emotional subject
0: yeah. anyway. And certainly with, certainly with kids. And I think it, i would just add you want to do this probably as early as you feel comfortable right because this just gets more and more difficult as you age right and with kind of with the uncertainty surrounding health outcomes you could be in a situation where you know all of a sudden it's too late and you're unable to have those discussions because yeah. you're just because of your health situation so earlier planning is better because it end of life stuff just can be very complicated and drawn out frankly it can take a long time and There could be limited opportunities at that point to have those discussions.
1: Yeah. All right, we only have two minutes before we have to take a break. And I guess, so I guess we'll get into our modeling after the break. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I'll just set the stage. So we're you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. And we're talking about inheritances this morning. And set, I don't know, set the stage for different ways to inherit some of the tax issues to think about. But we, what we want to get into after the break is deploying the capital in your <laughs> life. So... We're going to, after the break, we'll describe, I think I have them a 55-year-old couple. I think they still have one kid still in college. They have some assets earmarked for retirement. They make pretty good money. They're on track for a retirement at some point, but we want to illustrate how impactful an inheritance could be and some of the different ways they can use it and some of the opportunities it might open up for them in terms of different financial goals. So we will get into that in, in a lot of detail after the break